Hey, it's Joyce, the Abundance Coach, and you are listening to the Abundance Podcast. This week, I talked to a fellow coach and entrepreneur, Sydney Lafleur. I hope I did not butcher that. I'm assuming it's French, but I love Sydney. She has got such a kind and generous energy. I hope you are excited to hear about her personal journey from starting as a Twitch streamer while working and now being her own boss. We also talk about what it looks like to break the rules when your entire life, you're just learning to follow the rules. Well, let's get into it. This is Sydney. My name is Sydney. I'm from South Louisiana. My original profession when I first like went into the grown-up world was a teacher. I got my bachelor's degree in education and worked in education for seven years. It really wasn't 100% where my heart was at. I wanted to be more creative and have a little bit more decision with how I interacted with the people that I worked with. And so I went into grad school for communications and enjoyed it so much. I learned so much more about human behavior and how we connect. COVID happened and my department lost funding last year in March. I had recently started streaming on Twitch, but it was just like a hobby. It was just kind of a thing. And I was like, we'll see where this goes. I'm not really sure if I want to do this full time. I enjoy it. I have fun. And then in March, when our department basically downsized by like well over half, I was like, all right, we're going to just go all in and see what happens. And so my community was amazing and it just took off. Like within two months, people were asking me to give them relationship advice and do private coaching. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to start taking this seriously. Like I need to do something with this. And so it just kind of went from there. And I've never, I've never looked back, I guess. I did do a few like side gigs for the first month. And then after that, I was like, you know, I financially just made some big adjustments and made it work until it took off and Yeah. So that's kind of how I ended up in like the coaching space. And then as a person, as like an individual, um, I am really artsy. I've always been really creative. I am the oldest of only two. I have a little sister that's 11 years younger than me. Always very like motherly. I feel like that was just the natural like mama. I don't know. It was just the way that I was. Like I want four kids. I've got three kids. I want another one. I love babies. Maybe that's why I went into education was just, I love like the innocence of little kids. I have tons of plants. I enjoy as I've gotten older being more introverted. It's funny. I was like definitely an extrovert as a little kid, but I've become more like cozy. I love home. I love, you know, the quiet. Yeah, that's interesting. When I think about being a kid, I think I got really awkward in my teens. I just like very emotional, very awkward, very shy, quiet. And then now that I've gotten a little bit older, I'm back to what I was as a kid, which is mm-hmm. I used to walk up to strangers and start conversations with them, you know? Yeah. My parents would be like, oh my God, like, can you not? I also hate, I don't hate kids because I want kids someday, but mm-hmm. I just feel like they're very intimidating, actually. I don't know what it is. I think it's because they're very um, honest and they'll say things that are just like, whoa, like, I haven't even thought about this myself. I don't really know what it is. I don't know. Maybe you might know. (laughs) They're brave. They're brave until someone tells them that they shouldn't be. I taught first grade for two years and you walk into a first grade classroom and they are brave and they are themselves. 
I think that as educators, as parents, as people who share the same space as children, we we really need to allow for that to continue and to foster it because we never have to go through teenage years that are terrible and not knowing who we are if we're allowed to continue to be brave. And I think that that's something that I saw so much when I switched because I taught elementary and then I taught middle school. And I would see how much my students in middle school who were going into being teenagers were so afraid to be themselves. They were so afraid to express themselves. They were so afraid to be creative. They were so afraid to take risks because somewhere along the way, someone told them that wasn't okay anymore. And so little kids are intimidating. They are because they're going to tell you what they're thinking. Like my, my youngest is three and he'll go along with these stories and he'll tell you like today he's Batman. And I could easily be like, no, you're not Batman and, and just call him by his name. But it's important to allow him the creativity. And like, what does it hurt if he wants to be Batman? It doesn't hurt anything. He's enjoying understanding that difference between himself and others. When we parent intentionally, which is something that I want to get into, the longer that I'm in like relationship coaching and like helping people with connection, the more that I really find that I want to help people better understand kids. The more that we allow kids to be authentic and be themselves, I feel like we allow them to grow up and never lose themselves and have to refine ourselves as adults. Because mm. I feel like that's what I'm helping a lot of people do now is to like refine yourself, refine your voice. Because when you're a little kid, you don't mind saying no. Someone along the way tells you you can't say no. Mm. Someone along mm. the way tells you, you know, you, you can't be yourself. You can't dislike things that your parents like and things like that. Yeah. And sometimes really early on too, it's to the point where you're like, I, I've been like this my entire life. And it's like, no, like you maybe were programmed like, you know, by your parents or by society. At the end of the day though, it's like parents can only do so much like because mm -hmm. of how society is built, you know? And I, I do think that contributes to why people lose themselves. That's why there's like a coming back to in adulthood. The, the culture that you see on the playground in middle school still happens in adult life. We're all just better at hiding it now. There's like hierarchy, there's status, but people are a lot better at pretending not to be dicks when they are, you know? <laughs> I don't like to see that world because that's not how I operate, but I know it's there. I know it exists. I see it. And I don't want to play by those rules, but I know people that do. And so when the game mm -hmm. is real for you, it's like, man, that, that sucks. I think it's being able to recognize that the game is being played and being able to take a step back and be like, well, I don't want to play that game and be intentional about that because a lot of us do play that game without realizing it. And there are probably aspects that we play into without realizing it. I definitely agree. And, and to kind of like build off of that, what I find so interesting is that people do treat life like that, like you said, like a game and, and you're buying into and it's this whole process and, you know, they're rule makers and there are the rule followers. But what I actually think, and it, this is actually from an Alan Watts lecture that I heard proud a year ago, everything is a game. And if it's really just a game and we're all just a part of this system and people really shouldn't have control over anyone else, it should just be enjoyable. Like if it's all just a game, like we're only here once. This is the only experience we're ever going to get. And if you believe that, and maybe some people don't, but I do believe that, like th that this is my journey. This is this is my my chance at life, right? Oh, at least in this body, right? Then embrace and enjoy it. And how unfortunate to allow the rule makers, whoever those, you know, people who deem themselves the rule makers are, 
to dictate what we do, how we interact, how we love, how we connect, how we talk to each other, how we interact in the world, what we create, what kind of work we do. I think that it's so unfortunate because it really is all just a game and it could be an enjoyable one. So first of all, I love that you brought up Alan Watts. Like that helps me know where you're coming from a little bit because I I see things that way as well. But at the same time, the issue I have is that I have been in a place in life where it was too much like a game. I think there's a difference, right, between pure hedonism where you're just like, I just want to feel good like all the time, right? And then there's mm-hmm. genuine pleasure in, in improving and pursuit and growth and long-term satisfaction. I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. When I think of play, I think of play more like, I recently listened to some lectures by Brene Brown and she was talking about adult play. And basically it's allowing yourself, giving yourself the permission to do things that are just enjoyable for the enjoyment's sake. When I think of play, that's what I think of. When we would play as kids, like playing pretend, um, imagining other ideas, being open-minded as like a child. Like I remember being a little kid and imagining all these like grandiose, cool things that could be, and maybe they couldn't actually be like in the world. Like we, we don't live for 500 years and things of that nature, right? Like pushing the boundaries on those types of things. And so when I think of play, I think of adults being able to be playful, kind of letting go of those insecurities, letting go of, oh, someone's watching, letting go of, oh, this is silly. And just being more playful. And I guess that's why we call it like having a child spirit um, sometimes and like approaching life in that way. And so that's what I interpret Alan Watts. Life should continue to feel that way. Why do we in quotes grow up and then we lose the magic of just being open-minded? It doesn't matter if those thought processes don't lead you somewhere because they don't have to. I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a little tiny tangent. I found this girl on TikTok who took this little like wooden corner that she made out of like three sheets of plywood and she created this tiny miniature wooden um reading nook it looks like it's made for like a little mouse it's got like books she made books she made a lamp she made all this stuff she was in quarantine she was bored out of her mind and needed something to do and like is that gonna win her a prize did she do it for a competition did she do it to get paid no she just made it because it was in her house. And these were things that she could do with the time that she had. And like, to me, that's beautiful. And to me, that's really connecting with yourself. When we have spare time, we don't have to fill it with other productive things. We can just play, we can just make, we can just do, and maybe we do, and it's not great. And I mean, her thing was like gorgeous. Like literally the little lamp turned on and off. She had like a switch on the back. It was amazing. What what we create doesn't even have to be that amazing. Like it doesn't, but we should just play more. We should enjoy our time and not be so caught up in that other game that I that I think that you were kind of like reaching at was the game of you don't have enough, you're not doing enough, you need to be more, you need to play into that game. And that's the game that I think it just exhausts us. I was raised by a single mother. My family was fairly poor growing up. Um, there were times where like we didn't have our electricity turned on. I grew up with a very clear understanding that you take life seriously and everything is serious and you work very hard and you make straight A's. And if you can, like, if I came home with A's and B's, my mom would be like, you can make an A. You're going to make an A in that, in that class. And it was just this very, very strict expectation. And for me, I've always been really creative. So it's like, I would fight back and forth that play side of myself. I, I did actually go to an art high school. 
And that time, like being in the studio and having alone time to paint was like my chill. I needed that because outside of that room, it was high expectation. You have to do this. You have to be better. I didn't want to buy into that. And I did for a while. And I think that's why I went to college and went like the traditional route. And like, here I am again, back in my own little place in the world. And, and it makes me happy. And I'm, I'm glad that I found this while I'm still fairly young. It really does make me so sad um, to see older people who finally get to this point and so much of their life has passed. And I just wish that people could find this sooner. Yeah, totally. I resonate with a lot of things that you're saying because I'm thinking like that resonates with a lot of Asian culture as well, right? Like <laughs> just being very strict and, you know, you have to do things a certain way. And I think the word that I had locked onto, I think was pleasurable or something like that when you were talking about Alan Watts. I just think about how I used to take life as a joke. So I think it's important that, you know, maybe as a kid, you realized like what hard work ethic looked like. I, I read a lot of Jordan Peterson stuff too. And he talks about being able to have that long-term growth and that satisfaction where it's like, yes, play, like play is a part of that, but it's not like go get fucked up every weekend. You know what I mean? Cause that, no. that was me, you know? And that was oh, like, okay. What I would call out of touch with reality. So I guess what I'm juxtaposing it with is like magical thinking and like, Oh, nothing bad will ever happen to me. Or it's like, I can go and like, you know, do a million drugs and I won't get caught. Even if I do get caught, my parents will bail me out. That is what I was sort of referring to in that sort of pleasure seeking. Right. Cause like my history and it's like on the internet and everything, it's like, I'm very open about it, but, um, being like a sex and love addict for most of my life. Right. And then finally being able to take a step back from that and be like, Oh my God, there's like reality. <laughs> like I need to invest in something long-term. And even when you were talking about the, the girl who had built the plywood library, it's like, there's a lot of satisfaction in being able to do it well and being able to be like, man, like I did this to the best of my extent. Like there is a lot of satisfaction in that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that <laughs> I'll say in my early adulthood, I was so envious of my friends who did have the freedom and the carefreeness to, not to say to party, but to just kind of like not take life very seriously. I've had to adjust as I've gotten older because I took life very seriously as an early adult. I was a mom at 19, so life was just... From the moment that I realized how important school was and my, my responsibilities and like I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. And so it was like there was no time for for the the type of play where I would just like go out and party with my friends or I would just like, you know, I married my high school sweetheart. I married my first boyfriend like that was my first my first husband was my first boyfriend. And so I had these very like rigid ideas that like, this is what love looks like. And this is what a good family looks like. And this is what I need to do. And I'm going to follow all the rules. And I'm going to play by every rule. And I was like the the fairly I mean, I, I pushed a tiny bit, but I was the fairly like, well behaved child. And it's so funny, because my little sister's about to be 19. And I feel like we're just total opposites. She is push the system, buck, be herself. And I guess she saw me like, 
fitting in the little lines, right? And she's like, well, that didn't do any good. So I'm going to just be me. And I, I love that about her. But it's so funny to see the, the balance and the difference. And so I had to force myself to start not taking things quite as seriously. And getting divorced was probably like the catalyst for that it was like, okay, this isn't working. And I've played by every rule and I've done everything that they told me to do. And it's just still not working. And I'm, I'm miserable. He's obviously miserable. We're not doing something good for either of each other. So why are we still doing this? And because I'm told to, because it's the expectation, because this is what you do, because you don't get divorced. And so that was when I started not playing by the rules and it definitely made people angry. And it, it I did go through a stage where I didn't say that I partied a lot, but I started like traveling alone as a woman. And that scared everybody because I'm from a small town in the South. So like people don't ever leave. Half the people I went to high school with have probably never been past like Louisiana. Like they may have gone to like the neighboring States, but they've never left the South ever in their life. They've never been on an airplane. They will never be on an airplane. It's just not going to happen. And so to take all these solo trips and to meet people from all over the world, I was like, I found myself. This is what I needed to do. I, like I said, I'm very extroverted, but I need cultural experience in order to connect. And I need like stimulate, like mental stimulation. I've always said it's not, I'm not as attracted like sexually to people. I am like mentally, like if you can stimulate my intelligence and you can teach me something new, like you will keep me forever. And that is, that is what is so attractive to me now as I, and especially as I've gotten older. And what I noticed was that was what I was attracted to when I started allowing myself to like date and just meet people. And I had to let go of the stigma of being the good child and the good adult and the good mom, because so much of it was limiting and so much of it wasn't allowing me to just be myself. And it definitely, it definitely caused a lot of issues. I, I suffer with um, complex uh, PTSD. And I had panic attacks as an early adult. And I, I still have migraines if my anxiety gets too bad, just from lack of control. And it's because I was so used to everything in my environment being controlled. And so like my new, my new kind of like mantra for myself is like to just let it flow, like a need to just let it flow. I need to just embrace whatever's going to happen next and not have such strict expectations of myself and of others. I'll be honest with you. I think that Growing up in that like perfectionist and very like rigid household, that was something that I had to let go of too, was like other people are not going to play by the being nice. Like they're not going to do that. And other people are not going to always meet your expectations. And you can't live your life hoping that they're going to and that they're going to reciprocate whatever you give and that they're going to, you know, it's, that's just not how life works. And I had, had to accept some of that. You know, it, it was um. It was a lot. I'm going to be 30 in uh, less than two months. So I feel like it's just kind of all wow. opening. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you definitely don't act or look it, you know, like, I feel like you have this Thanks. sense. I don't know. Like, I don't, you do have like a maturity about you for sure. And I call it, I always call it like, you know, the older sister vibe because my older sister is very similar. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think my identity and my progress of growth is like sort of the opposite of yours. Right. Um, I mean, I had the perfectionistic stuff as well, but it's like, it was more so, um, like feeling like I was never going to measure up that like, cause my sister was like you, where she was like the top achiever, all these things. And I would try, I would never get like B's or C's. Like sometimes I would get B's, but, um, like it was always just like, 
well, if I don't try to be her, if I try to be the opposite of her, which is why I went nuts, like in college, right? Um, started partying a lot, sleeping around a lot and just lost myself, you know, in, in trying to, in like be somebody that I wasn't, that I wasn't, you know? And so it's, it's really interesting because in, in some senses, we both lost ourselves, right? But you lost it by sticking to the rules and I lost it by trying to reject the rules. <laughs> that sounds so- like my baby sister. That's my baby sister, 100%. And it's, I think that birth order has a huge impact. It really does. It really does. That's, that's something else I noticed when I was a teacher was like, you can tell the oldest, you can tell the only child, you can tell the baby, you can tell when they're one of many in the middle. Yeah. You can totally tell. Yeah. And I think it's just really coming to like that about myself. I think there's a lot of things I still don't like about myself. Like I don't really enjoy that. I I give off the younger sibling vibe, you know, like talking about, oh, I used to party and all that stuff. Like what comes to mind is like, oh, irresponsible, spoiled, like bratty. You know what I mean? Like I have that other voice in my head and and of course like worked through a shit ton of that and like it's still something that I'm probably going to struggle with though for the rest of my life and um and it's always relative too because it's like it depends on your like the people around you and people a lot of people see me as responsible but I will always see myself as irresponsible as flaky um other people see me as consistent and I'm like I'm not. <laughs> oh no, you disappeared. I'm back. Hold on one second. Oh, okay. You <laughs> decided to get angry. It's fine. Yeah, no um, worries. I think that, so what I, what I, I guess it kind of just reminds me again of that, uh, the lectures I was listening to, but so Brene Brown talks about shame a lot and she does a lot of research into shame. And so what I think is so important as we become adults and kind of the labels that we were given as children, like, oh, the middle child or the baby or the oldest, or you're the good kid or the honor student or whatever it might be, right? As we become adults, we we're, we have these beautiful opportunities to shed some of that. And so what I hope for you and what I, I've tried to do with myself is to is to shed those things and to not net, let it be my identity and and to say I was, or I'm growing out of, or that was my childhood experience, because I really do believe that the more that we identify and we label ourselves in such a way where we allow our growth, then those things don't get to have as much of a control on us. And um, my therapist said, it's like taking those things and putting them up on a shelf and they, they're there, they're in the room with you, but they don't get to like live in your, in your vicinity on your person anymore. They live in that space, very detached from you. And it allows you to kind of take a breath and say, you know what? Sometimes I have been this way, but that's not who I am as a person. Those were just behaviors that was a part of who I was at that time. And man, has that person changed and grown. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I love that example that your therapist gave. Um, I always am super happy when I hear that people have good therapists because there's a lot of bad ones out there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I also have an amazing therapist and it's like, if you're listening to this, (laughs) that's so much to me. Um, But yeah, I love that example of, of almost like 
like you're still accepting that it's a part of your story and that it is beautiful. Like the pain and the growth was beautiful and, but it's not you anymore. Um, but yeah, totally. And I love that you brought that up by Brene Brown and for people listening, like I would say that Brene Brown, she talks about the difference between shame and guilt. Right. And so my journey has been a lot about shifting towards guilt because the weird thing about shame is like, it actually keeps you from improving where you can. Mm -hmm. Um, So shame, you know, is the idea that, you know, I am bad versus guilt is saying that I did something bad. Um, And so it's being able to separate yourself from the action so that you can actually adjust those actions. Because for example, if you say I'm a lazy person, then you're constantly just going to like do lazy things and and be okay with that. Cause you're like, I'm a lazy person. But if you said, Oh, I had a lazy day today. Um, that means tomorrow you can get up and be productive. You know, it's not yeah. you, it doesn't define you. It just happened. And maybe that's okay. You know, like, because all of these labels have connotations to them as well. Right. So it's, absolutely yeah, I've, I've learned to sort of like take a step back and be more specific when I talk about things. So I don't think it's even helpful to talk about good and bad, good and evil. You know, some people are like, oh, Jeff Bezos, he's so evil. And I'm like, but what do you mean by that? Like, how do you define good and evil? And and do you believe in universal morality? Like I get, I get in, you know, I'm <laughs> just like, what, what do you mean? And so I prefer like the specificity of just like, I don't enjoy that, you know, he does X, Y, Z versus saying mm-hmm. like, he is this, you know, um, it's a different way of thinking because I don't know. And I used to think that way and I'm trying to rewrite that. Right. But also flipping that back on myself where it's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not a bad person. I just do bad things sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's- I think that, that that goes into everything. One of the things that I, I've learned and I now teach my kids even is we don't have good or bad emotions. We have emotions that feel comfortable. We have emotions that we embrace and we have emotions that we don't want to feel. But our emotions are feedback. When we feel lazy, we need to rest. We prob- There's something that's probably going on. And so what I, because laziness was definitely something, especially being the overachiever as a kid, it was like, you can't be lazy. Like you don't get a lazy day. And I've had to train myself into embracing like TV days, like lay on the couch and I'm going to just watch TV today. And that's okay. And I also have had to embrace like today, I'm not checking social media. I'm not checking social media all weekend. And it doesn't matter if that's for my job. And I started doing that. I make strict boundaries around work because if I didn't, like I'm in my dining room right now. I turned it into an office, but it, it it is literally the center of my house. If I wanted to, I could put my kids to bed. I could come sit in here and I could work until I passed out. This is actually a fairly comfy chair. It like reclines like a all the way back. I could totally just like, I, I have friends who sleep in their chair and I'm like, I could do that. I could, but like competing against and that's the thing that's the craziest thing about being a perfectionist is you really do compete with yourself and people are like as long as you're a little bit better than your former self I'm like no you don't understand about competing with somebody else I am constantly competing with myself constantly and who I was five days ago I'll be like oh 
that person was like lazy and didn't do enough and only worked this many hours. And that was not acceptable. And like today I've got to be this person. And I think we also forget what we did. So like, I have to make my, make sure that I write down the things that I did and be like, you did a good job today. Look at all the things that you did. And for some people they're like, oh, that's like, you know, that's vain or that's like, you know, you're, you're too, you're doing too much like to pat yourself on the back. And I'm like, okay, for like 27 years of my life, I acted like I did nothing. <laughs> so if I need a sticky note every afternoon to be like, look at you, you, you did these things, you did enough work. Here's your permission to get up from this desk and not come back over here. Once the kids are asleep, then that's awesome. So I just think that like shifting our mindset and finding those tricks and and realizing, like I said earlier, the um, the no good or bad emotion, everything's just feedback. When we start noticing that we feel stressed, anxious, uncomfortable, uh, overwhelmed, tired, angry, we just, if we take a second and we take a breath and we're like, okay, where is this coming from? Where, what is the source? Is it, is it that I'm overworking? What are usually my sources for this emotion? Am I overworking? If I'm angry, do I do I feel like I'm not being heard right now? If I feel sad, do, is there something that I feel like I've lost? Am I missing out on something like some type of self-care that I normally give myself, especially for me, it's overwhelmed. If I'm not journaling, I start feeling overwhelmed. There's a cause and effect. And when we start treating life and like approaching life in that way for everything, it just shifts the way that we like show up for ourselves. And then we find those little things that help us to not go into that space as often, but it's inevitable. It is going to happen from time to time. And it's okay to just kind of let it flow. When it happens, it's going to happen and you come back out on the other side and it's going to be okay. And it's all right to just have those days that are off. Yeah. And I think that yeah. we need to, we need to get there. We do. We need to get there. All of us. Cause we can be our own worst like critics and bullies. And it Absolutely. makes me so sad. Yeah. It, it's hard. And I always, I term it as like self-betrayal, you know, like, and I think there's a lot of different facets of that. Like I'm somebody that really finds it difficult to disagree with people, especially like in, in front of a group or something like that. Um, I'm very much like a harmonizer. And so <laughs> there are moments where it's like, I'm uncomfortable. And so I'm just gonna bite my tongue and not say anything. Um, even though I, I, I don't like that, you know? And so a lot of that, so that's one aspect of self-betrayal in my book, but yeah. I mean, part of it too is like being, um, <laughs> how Jordan Peterson puts it is, uh, being a shitty boss to yourself. Um, like if you were hiring an employee and you'd be like, oh, you did this great. That's, you know, that's minor, but really I need you to do more. <laughs> you know, you just like, don't be a bad boss to yourself. You know, like give yourself things to do, stick to them, but don't add stuff on then on top of that. <laughs> and I'm like, actually, I do that all the time. It's like, oh, but I could just add a little bit more, do a little more. It's like, be fair to yourself, you know? And mm -hmm. a good boss recognizes even the, the little things, just being like, oh, thanks so much for the update. Or like, hey, thanks for letting me know. And like, I'm here for you. Like my boss, I love my boss. Um, he's always saying like, you know, part of like work is only a tiny part of our lives. And so real life happens, shit happens and that's okay. Like I sat down with him and I told him about uh, me about to break up with somebody and I felt super bad, but he kept like asking more and like coaching more and mentoring me more through that. And I was like, I'm sorry, we like took up this whole time. And he was like, no, honestly, that's, that stuff at the end of the day does affect your job. 
It affects your productivity. And so being able to translate that to ourselves and be a good and kind boss, I think is easier said than done, but uh, <laughs> it's like, that's what we try. Right. And also I wanted to touch on your, your sticky note thing. It's like, man, I think it's interesting. Cause one, I'm like, has somebody actually reacted like that to you? Like sharing that? Because I wonder if that's like your own internal voice being like, man, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you need to write a sticky note to like, you know, because I feel like I'm so happy when I hear that. Like I, when you <laughs> say that, I'm like, that is awesome. Maybe because I know what it's like to feel mm-hmm. like a perfectionist and be like, uh, you're not doing enough. And, and, you know, getting A's. Oh yeah. I was always feeling of like, you get an A and you feel nothing. But if you get a B, yeah. you feel like jumping off a fucking cliff. Like, it's like, what? What? Like, that's not right. You're not calibrated correctly, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, no, it's just, I'm super happy to hear that. It's like, that is awesome that you're like working on yourself like that. And I, there's no judgment. There's zero judgment. Thank you. Um, so to kind of answer first, I, I'm so like, I am happy for people who have great bosses. I've had like a few, most of my experiences were not great. And now I'm my own boss. Like I don't have a boss. And there are sometimes where like, I'm like, I really wish I had a boss. Like I want a boss. Can I have one? Can someone like be the boss? Hire a boss. I, this is not, that's a new business like, idea. Oh People are like, oh my gosh, you're living your best life. Like, you don't have a boss. You can do whatever you want. Like, oh, that must be so great. You get to just like, you know, do whatever you want. And I mean, I'm coming from of a, 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 the from the extremely strict environment of a teacher who can't even go to the bathroom without getting permission, right? Like, that environment is so difficult. And so I know some of my teacher friends are like, oh, you're so lucky. You can go to Target in the middle of the day. You can go to, yeah. And you know what? I do. I do go to Target in the middle of the day. I do. I like and I go to Starbucks. That's what they they bring up. <laughs> you get to oh, go yeah. to Target like, in the middle of the day. I do go to Target in the middle of the day. But you know what I also do? I also like freaking stress out because I don't have like some of the benefits of having someone else do, you know, tell you what you need to do next. And so it's you're shooting in the dark. But um, yes, I have gotten some flack about just like giving myself credit for things and not necessarily the sticky note, but just like any, any of it. Um, like I said previously, I, I don't have a really great relationship with my mom. I didn't really know my biological dad. I didn't meet him until I was 12. My mom was a teenage mom. Um, she actually had me a month after she graduated from high school. So she was like pregnant for me her senior year of high school. And um she also has like, she's never been diagnosed, but she has a lot of narcissistic tendencies. And so growing up in a household with her, just the two of us for 11 years until my little sister, well, just the two of us and any guy that was like randomly around for a while. And we counted one day, I actually, I counted with, uh, with my, my partner recently. It's been like, at least, there was like at least 15 boyfriends in my childhood, which was crazy. Just like revolving door of boyfriends. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we moved a lot. I also I also um switched schools a- about the same amount of times between like kindergarten and graduating from high school. I switched schools well over 10 times, probably closer to 15. And so um there was this extremely high expectation. And when I told her that this was what I wanted to do, 
everything was like, why? And I don't understand. And that's so selfish. And you're going to work at night and you're going to have time away from your kids. I have more time with my kids now, which is amazing. But when you said you get an A and you don't feel anything, I got my bachelor's degree and felt nothing. I felt nothing. There was no sense of accomplishment or pride or I made it or security at all. I was like, I actually made a TikTok about this the other day. I was like, all right, now I've got to get into grad school. Like I need to start studying for the GRE. I need to get it. And I did. And and I got like, I, I took the GRE like three months after I graduated and got into grad. Well, I didn't like actually apply right then and there, but like I made the score I needed to get into grad school. And like, then I was like, all right, next thing I need to do. And now we're going to add that to the list. And um, my goal was to have a PhD by 30, which didn't happen, thankfully. But um, but yeah, I just like I lived on that constant hamster wheel of like, I need to do something to gain, I guess, approval. I can't remember many times of my mom saying she was proud of anything that I did. And she's definitely not proud of like my business. But that's that's kind of what I love the most about it is I do it in spite of the fact that no one needs to be proud of it. Like I'm proud of it and that's enough for me. Yeah. Um, I reconnected with my biological dad about a month ago and he actually has a business and he was like, I am so proud of you. And I didn't tell him this, but in that moment, I was like, wow, I've wished that you would say this my entire life and now I don't need it. It doesn't even matter. But I remember being a little kid and wanting to like earn his approval and for him to just show up for things for like school events and life events and be proud of me and all those awards and trophies and crap and honors lists or whatever. It was like, please just be here. Like, please just celebrate me. And now I'm like, I don't, I don't need you to. And, and that's okay. Like, thank you. I appreciate it as like a, also another business owner, but like as a person, and as my biological like father, I don't, I don't need you to be proud of me. And it's kind of weird to get to that point, you know? And I, I think that a lot of people search for a long time and it just, it breaks my heart. Like I would see students like that, you know, that just wanted a parent to be there and to show up and they just never did. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That hits super deep, right? Cause it's like, I think there are moments in our life and, you know, this is ongoing, but it's like sort of, um, maybe it's cause I'm visual, but it's almost like like an AB comparison, like a snapshot of like, man, if this was just a year ago, I would be reacting like this. And yet I'm not reactive. Like I don't feel anything, but it's, it's a measure of growth. It's like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that's nuts. And so like on one hand, it's like, man, that's awesome. Cause that means it was like a growth moment for you where it's Mm -hmm. not that you grew in that moment, but you recognize that you had grown in that moment. Yeah. And there was a winding path to get there. And I'm always like, man, what did I do? Like what, what happened that led me to be here? Cause a lot of times I feel like I'm working in partnership with whatever forces outside of me because people mm-hmm. are like, oh man, you're so mature and all these things. And I'm like, I've just made a lot of mistakes and fucked up a lot. So I had a lot of experiences. I, I never see it as like, oh, it's something about me. Life came and, and tapped me on the shoulder and was like, yo, look over here today instead of over there. And I was like, holy fuck, like I need to change something, you know? So it's like yeah. life in some ways happened with me. And, you know, I can't give myself zero credit, obviously, but mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like, I'm grateful because I didn't always, you know, like I see people in the same situation I used to be in and I always have to take a step back. It's like, oh, it's not that I'm better than them. 
just that they haven't had the experiences. They haven't had the opportunity to choose to be different. And I, I have to believe that as a coach, I have to believe in forward progress, that people are not inherently how they are forever because I know how I used to be. That's super powerful. And like, so grateful for you, like just sharing that because that is huge. I'm going to confess something to you. And when you asked, like, what did you do to get here? And you were like thinking about it. Um, I can tell you why I'm becoming more aware and like growing. Um, I cry in yoga every time I do hot yoga. And when it, when you get to the last like 15 minutes of hot yoga, they turn off the lights and it's like stretching poses and it's very, very like quiet in your own like time alone. And um, every single time, for the last month, because I just recently started back doing yoga, I cry at that time. I am not a public crier. I actually despise anyone like babying me and like consoling me. My love language is words of affirmation. I want to hear that I did a good job and I am totally cool. Do not hug me. I am not a very like physical touch, which ironically my partner is. So it's so funny because he'll like give hugs and I'm just like, I'm learning to accept this. <laughs> like, that's but nobody else. My friends are like, we know when we've reached the, the like ultimate level of love with you because you allow us to like hug you. And it's not because I don't want to. It's just my family was not very physically affectionate. It's not like anyone ever like physically abused me or anything. We just didn't hug. We just don't hug like that. Like, I don't know. It's just really odd to me. Like, I just don't do hugs. So crying in yoga is very weird. Like it's a super like I'm being extremely raw, but you're sweaty. So like no one can really tell and I'm not like sobbing loud. So no one can like hear me cry. I'm like giving you all the tea right now, but I do. I cry in yoga and it is one of the best. Like I process while I'm in yoga. I process trauma and I don't do it like on purpose. They tell you to be so present and like you've just done like an exercise. So your body's kind of like tired and you're resting in these poses and some of the poses are meant to be kind of opening and it requ it requires you to like to really like focus and to be present and I'm telling you it just happens and in that time there have been a few times where one of the thoughts with my dad was like he did not want to be a father when you were born and that's not because there's anything wrong with you he was 19 years old and he was not prepared to be a father he did not want you and that's okay. It's not because you're a bad person or a wrong person or a broken person or a, a broken baby. You weren't even born yet, but he just didn't want that responsibility and it doesn't reflect on who you are or your worth. And that's okay. Like it's okay to accept where he was and and where he even still is to an extent and to accept that it, it's not you. Like detach the ego, detach your ego for a few minutes. It's not about you. It's about that person and where they are and, and what they were able to handle. So many beautiful things happened in my childhood, even though he wasn't there. And he did not define, he does not define my childhood. And that is okay. And giving myself that permission also allowed me to forgive him because I blamed him. Like anytime my mom would be really hard on me, I'd be like, if only my dad were here, he would tell her something. Or if only my dad were here, maybe he would be nicer about this. Or if only my dad, were, you know, and I just, I blamed him when really I should have been like, you know, no, my mom and I's relationship is not healthy. And even if my dad were here, she still needs to be held responsible. But it was so hard to hold her responsible when she was the only one there. You know, like you can't hate that person. You can't be angry with that person because she's the only one. And so I think I allowed myself to kind of like detach from my ego, detach from like that you betrayed me and let it all kind of go 
it allowed me to just say, you know what, I'm not angry with him. Because if I were 19 and put in that situation and I were this guy and it was this complicated mess, I don't know what I would have chosen. So why do I need to hate him the rest of my life or be angry about something that really was a beautiful experience for me now that I'm an adult? And yeah, was it hard? Absolutely. But do I need to carry that with me? Like I do have a choice to an extent. Like, am I gonna make this my my story, my life story of this damned, angry child uh, of a single mother? Or am I gonna choose that like, it was a beautiful experience and, and I'm gonna move forward and grow from it. I really value this conversation. Um, and I think you're awesome. And it's like, I get emotional, like just hearing about your story because like I relate with a lot of it, you know? Um, Cause I, I feel, and I know that sort of disconnection from self and I'm working through a lot of that now, honestly. Um, and it's something, it's like a coming back to constantly. I always see it as like a cycle um, because like I'll learn it and then I'll forget. And then the next time I learn it, it's like a little bit deeper. The next time I learn it, it's deeper and deeper and deeper. And it gets mm -hmm. to a point where it's like, it's second nature and I don't have to think about it anymore. And yeah. each time it gets a little bit more fine, I guess, like the knowledge that sifts through. No, I really appreciate you sharing. And I totally understand <laughs> crying in public is like embarrassing sometimes, but also it's like something I've learned to not apologize for because I used to be like oh sorry oh my god sorry and it's like <laughs> I once had a friend who just like stop apologizing for crying like I'm a fucking emotional person I think it's something that I've come to love about myself because mm -hmm. I feel a lot and just who I am you know same. I am very emotional. It's just that people don't normally see it. I talked about like feminine, masculine energy. I was like, totally masculine, totally masculine, such masculine energy. Like I know I'm not extremely feminine or girly. I've never been that way. It's so hard. It is so difficult because I just see it as like the damsel in distress. And it's like, I, can't, I just can't be that person. So it's like accepting that like, no, it doesn't mean I'm helpless. It just means that I can let go of needing to be strong all the time. So hard. Yeah. It's so hard to do yeah. that. Like, especially say, whenever oh. you grow up without a dad, because it's like, I had to protect my, like, there was no sense of like, oh, this man, this other person's going to protect me. So it's like, well, I grew up thinking like, I'm just going to protect myself and I can. Like, that's just always kind of resonated with me. Like, that's me. I can do it. I can do it all. And I have yeah. to not do that. If I want a partnership, if I want to be happy, if I want to be, show my kids to be vulnerable, you know, you have, you have to let it go a little bit. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Crying in yoga is the first step. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this conversation between Sydney and I. It was super raw and vulnerable. As you can see, I got a little bit choked up towards the end there because I was just so grateful for the conversation. If you have thoughts, if you want to connect with other dreamers, make sure to find me on Instagram at the Abundance Coach. And if you want to support the show, you can buy me a boba at gotabundance.co slash boba or leave a review on iTunes. Both of those links are down below. Thanks again for listening and I will see you next week. Giving someone a hug to me doesn't seem quite like as much courage for most people. It doesn't take that much 
effort. Like that seems a little easier than like really having to like open up who you are and like your past experiences and building like the empathy. That is so funny. Cause like, I have a little bit of that too, like a love language is elitist. <laughs> Where it's like, where it's like, because I'm an acts of service person all the way. So it's like, I feel the same way about words of affirmation where I'm just like, anybody can say anything, but it's like, are you going to do it for me? Yeah, it is. It's a love language elitist. That's yeah. I've joined the club. I, so, I'll, I will gladly be the president. So we have a Facebook because... group and no, just... <laughs> we have pins. We wear pins. Yeah. It's fine. You get a house kind of like in Harry Potter, which house yeah. do you belong in? It's fine. Yeah, it's that... totally fine. <laughs>